Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friends and co-hosts, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Jordan, a.k.a. Texans underscore thoughts. What is going on, my guys? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Are you going to be able to do this, man? I mean, you got the Lakers on the background. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to give it everything I can, but I'm also going to give everything I can to the game. So I don't know what to tell you guys, but I'm going to, I'm going to be professional. I'm going to try to work through this. If me and Jordan, you know, do a couple oofs, or Oz, or Wow, or Am, then you guys just kind of have to roll with it. Well, I can't take the stress of the series, so I'm just going to base my mood on the opposite of however y'all are feeling. Oh, good. We can pretend the whole time and make it look like it's bad, and then when we get off... You ain't even watching it, John? Uh, dude, I can't. I can't. <laughs> well, we're I'll down watch it as soon as we're done recording, Damn. but I can't. I can't watch and record at the same time. Um, I mean, I love the Rockets. But like I was telling James, right now I'm kind of stuck in a weird spot because I have mommy and daddy fighting. I may like mommy a little bit more, but I agree with daddy. And, you know, this shit's just crazy, and I'm tired of it. And basketball, I have said, for years now is the most stressful sport for me to watch. Like, it's just agonizing because you have your hopes up the entire time, and then it's over, and then my heart breaks, and I'm a Rockets fan, so I know how this is going to go. I know how the story ends. So, you know. Let's just try and talk football because we got we got a lot of cool things to talk about tonight. We got a lot of cool things. So with that, that's a great segue, John. We're gonna head into just like our normal things. Hey guys, you can follow us on Instagram and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Houston FB Pod. You can follow me at I am Young Ari Gold and uh, John at John A Wade three on Twitter. Don't forget to also follow Jordan at Texans underscore Thoughts, Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU, and then Jair at JRL Sports TX uh, on Twitter. Uh, real quick, uh, make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe button. Um, we're getting close to the season. Make sure you guys turn on the notifications. Uh, we are going to be going live more often, so make sure you guys are prepared for that. Uh, shout out to all our Patreons. You guys, have bl- it's blown up over the last, like, five days, which is inc- incredibly funny considering the team meeting we had last week. Um, you guys are kicking ass, and we really appreciate it. We can't wait to give you guys all the content you guys are looking at. If you guys have any ideas on what you guys would like from us on the Patreon, let us know. Uh, send us an email, and you can send me an email at james at texansunfiltered.com. And if you're a listener and you just want to send me an email and say what's up, feel free to do so as well. Uh, all right, Kobo's Q event, Thursday. We are two days away. We are two days away from the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans taking place. Super excited. Make sure that you guys bring um, a pop-up chair. Okay, I have I did not put this anybody that RSVP'd. I will be sending an email to you, but make sure you guys bring pop up chairs unless you're cool with standing like me the entire time. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, we have amazing news for uh, all of our Texans on Filter fan base. Um, we have we're running a new contest. Um, so we're going to basically do where you retweet our Texans Unfiltered tweet that will be posted at noon tomorrow, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. And if you haven't already. Um, and immediately you'll be entered for a chance to win a limited edition Johnson's in the backfield collab that we did with the Texan, and I'm also going to throw in a hat as well. Um, so we will choose a winner once we reach 1,000 subscribers. We are about 100 away, um, so we really appreciate everybody. All right, outside of that. 110. 
We need 110. There we go. 110. So uh, just, you know, that's one-tenth of y'all that actually listen to the podcast. If you take five seconds to go to YouTube and subscribe, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Main reason we care about YouTube right now is we need to get our channel name. We do not get the, the URL name until we get to 1,000. So, you know, that'd be nice to have. What we're trying to do is just get on Jordan's level. What we want to do is be more like Jordan. I want to be like Mike, right? Is that what they said? It's a hard. Not everyone it's, can do it. Not every, but we can, and we're going we to. Can. We can. And we will. We will. We're so close. They say the two happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day he buys his boat. Woo-hoo! And the day he sells it. Sayonara, you worthless tub. At Carefree Boat Club, there's a third happy day, the day he joins the club. Carefree Boat Club gives all the... Without the hassles that turn a day on the water into a real pain in the... As soon as it turns over, we'll be on our way. At Carefree Boat Club, use a fleet of boats as often as you like. They take care of the maintenance. You take care of the fun. Water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Whether you own a boat or have just dreamed of it, come sample the experience of being a Carefree Boat Club member. Call today to schedule a tour of one of Carefree's convenient marina locations. Make all your boating experiences, water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Call 851-2202. That's 851-2202. Real quick, Jordan, how is school started, what, yesterday, today? Uh, supposed to be today, um, but I don't have class, so tomorrow will be my first day of class, and we'll see nice. how that goes, yeah. Awesome. Not awesome. excited for it, to be honest, but. Uh, you got to do it, <laughs> yeah. got to do it. Um, cool. All right. So today is the Watson cast, the annual Watson cast. We've done it the last three years. This will be the fourth episode of the Watson cast. We are super stoked, and the best part about this is we get to bring Jordan in it's like it's like a baby. I get to bring a baby into like this thing that we've created and share this amazing thing. Um, and I couldn't think of a better person to do it with as you've watched just as much, if not maybe more now, snaps of Deshaun Watson. And we have our Watson cast where we talk about how amazing he is, what we've seen from him over the years, what we expect to see from him this year. It, it's really like the most anticipated episode every year. People love it, and um, we're super stoked to do it. But I think the best part about the Watson cast this year is the timing of when the episode is being recorded, right? We are three days from, removed from when he signed his contract. We are two days removed from when he lit the world on fire with his amazing press conference and showing how genuine and how amazing of a person and man he is. Um, which I'm really surprised that that didn't get more. I'm surprised that stuff didn't go more viral, to be honest with you. I thought I I can only speak for myself, but I was really moved. I made my 14 year old daughter watch it in its entirety. I talked to I played it again for my wife. I talked to my eight year old about it. Like I really like, it's very rare that you see an athlete as vulnerable as Deshaun was during that time. And then on top of that, what the Texans PR team did specifically for Deshaun bringing in Dabo and Justin and Coach Perry and just showing how important he is. Like, to me, Jordan, maybe I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but this was very Laker-esque. Like, and I don't mean that in a – I don't mean that, like, to, like, for those Rockets fans that are like, eh, God, no, no. I don't think you guys understand. Like, Dude, we're trying we're, to up 
up our subscribers, not lessen right. them. Well, and comparing us to the Lakers, like, dude, yeah, timing, yeah. timing. A franchise. It's, it's hard for you guys to fathom what that looks like, but we're on our way, so you guys need to get used to these types of things. But, um, right, Jordan, did you get that feeling? Like, you know, like, yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean exactly from, like, the Houston Texans, like, PR team, they need a raise because they, they killed it with this. Um, and that's definitely kind of the Lakers vibe. It's like it's a family, and we're here to support all of our players as well and, and empower them and stuff like that. And so I like that the Texans are taking the page out of that book for sure. It really, like, I think if, if I was Pat Mahomes, that would have been, like like you said, it would have blown up. Um, and so it's just like the Houston market. That's just how it is. But I think they did everything that they possibly could have to put him in, like, the best light possible and and just really, like, show the, the gravity of his achievement. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing, and John, I, I want to get into this with you. I mean, like, what what was the biggest takeaway from you from those that press conference? Outside of his emotional aspect of him, like, what if you were to pick one part to take away, what what would that be? Um, It's just the way that he's touched so many lives. Like, the Make-A-Wish Foundation kid. Seriously. Like, I, I completely get coaches. I completely – like, all that you can kind of see coming. Uh, Dabo is a little bit of a cornball. Of course he was going to be there, and of course his statement was was right on brand uh, for Dabo Sweeney. But the uh, the Make a Wish kid, and it just kind of points out the little things that Deshaun does that he does not have to do, and that's just a reflection of Deshaun's character and everything that he does. It's all the little details that he takes care of, and he does it from a place of being real. And you got to give. You really got to give the Texans all the credit in the world. Um, is it Amy Palsic? Is that how yep. you say her last name? Yep. Um, I've, I've just seen it written, so I please don't judge me too badly on her. Um, but she did an absolutely fantastic job, and she needs to get her name out there and recognized for that. And it's something that I'm gra- glad the Texans have done, because y'all said Lakers, but it's really a lot of the teams that have a lot of um, history. Um, like UNC Chapel Hill does it, the Clemson Tigers – like these are things that um, the Longhorns here in here in Austin, these are the little details that they'll do for their for their community, that for their alumni, and to see that the Texans bringing that into the pro level. I think the only other professional team in the NFL that really has that sort of history and connection is maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers that actually goes out and recognizes their past, and it's great to see that the Texans are going to try and take a step in emulating that because I think that's awesome. And Deshaun is the person really to start with. Yeah, I think – so I uh, his book came out today, uh, Pass It On, um, and I got it. And I'm, I'm three chapters in. And for me, I knew what this book was going to be because I've just – I've followed his career. And he's very John Gordon, very servant leadership. You know, all the leadership books that most people that are in leadership or have been in leadership have read at some point in time. And so I knew that was what I was expecting. But just his spin on it is great. And it really just speaks to – like. It really gives you a glimpse into who he is and what he's accomplished in his life and what he's been through. Um, but with, like, the, the one thing I really took away was that he was looking for – there's there's some football stuff in there we'll get into later too about him wanting to always find the open man and that he doesn't want to force feed. Uh, I'm surprised that hasn't made it on the timeline yet, but uh, we'll get to that. But the fact that he um, he just wanted the trust. Like, he wanted to be trusted. He wanted to be given the keys. He wanted to have OB and Janice and Cal and Jack and Kevin and Jamie Roots to trust him 
as the quarterback for the future of this team. And that's when he started to be like get emotional. That's when he started to talk and like, I don't know. I hate to keep taking this into a, like a Lakers thing, but I just got a very Kobe vibe from Deshaun. And I always have, I always have gotten that vibe from Deshaun. I've always gotten the work ethic put, you know, type of thing, but this was very much in that realm for me. Now I only have that fan, that, that organization to really compare it to because that's my only other love in sports. But um, so it's unfair. And I know that you guys are Houston and, you don't want to hear that right now, especially in the time that we're in with us playing you guys. I totally understand. Um, but, you know, we are a franchise that is a storied franchise. And it's just cool to see a team that is not, an organization that has not and does not have that story, does not have that tradition, does not have that history, to start to go in that direction and create a path and a legacy and things of that nature. Um, I'm just a big fan of it, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to that because I have not read that book so far, but that kind of explains him and Bill O'Brien's relationship. Uh, one of the things about the Bill O'Brien offense, um, and I've pointed it out before, is it puts more pressure on a quarterback than just about any other offense in the NFL. Not because it's complicated, but because of what it asks the quarterback to do and the decisions to call. Uh-huh. So the fact that Bill O'Brien asked so much of Deshaun, that's probably why they do actually have a strong relationship regardless of you know what the rumors may or may not be. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jordan, anything else on this topic before we get into Deshaun Watson, the football player? Um, no, I just I definitely agree with what you're saying about the whole Kobe thing. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, maybe the other week. I definitely see the, the similarities in terms of work ethic and, and what he's all about. And I think you're obviously never going to be able to replicate Kobe, but he's going to have the type of impact on a young kid that Kobe did for, for me even and who he reached so many people. Like I definitely can see that happening. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, John, I don't have any – I can't, like, post the comments. What happened? Why Why can't I? I have no idea. Oh, where'd he go? I don't know. I just posted a comment. I guess that's why he couldn't do it. I have no idea what happened, but um, I'm back. All right. Um, <laughs> Hi. All right. So, <laughs> that was fun. Um, so let's, get, let's get into Deshaun Watson, the football player, um, because, you know – it's hard not to root for this kind of this guy, right? Like outside of football, but then like when you watch him on the field, you know, I I, I could, Jordan or John, I kind of look at it from like when we first started this, right? Like our first real episode was the draft breakdown of you know who the Texans would select in that draft, and I was high on Deshaun, and I know you're like, oh God, I can't believe this is where we're at, but like you want you were a Mahomes guy, you want a Mahomes. And, um, you know, you, you even made a comment, like, if he's there in the second grade, you know. Um, but, like, to go from there to where we're at and be able to, like, read the articles that Jordan's put together with the Watson watch and just kind of relive all of Deshaun's accomplishments and what he's done and how great he is. But the biggest thing is, like, when we talk to Jordan Palmer and, like, hearing about his development and what he worked on and his work ethic and things of that nature, you can just see that Deshaun's really starting to put it all together. And we saw a glimpse of it again last year uh, against the Bills. Obviously, we didn't see it in the way we would like in Kansas City. But there's, you know, there's plenty of time um, for us to be able to see those things from him. And but he just, I don't know, I, I ne- he never ceases to amaze me. And that's the best part about Deshaun. Yeah, uh, with Deshaun, I apologize many times. I think James is going to make me apologize every single year, at least once, probably about six times per year. Um, for my original takes on Deshaun um, from the draft podcast. With that, I part of it, 
it's like I'm not going to make any excuses, but part of it was bad information. Um, turns out Deshaun has a cannon for an R. Um, but, but prior to the draft, a big thing was made about Deshaun's arm not being strong enough. Well, now that he's been in the league, you know, there's better data on it. He's actually got the fourth highest velocity, uh, max velocity, out of any quarterback in the NFL. He actually skews on the higher end on average velocity per throw. And he has the widest range, though, from his least velocity to his highest velocity. So he just understands how to channel it. And here's the thing. Deshaun has been, I was probably admittedly biased because Sean went, was a Clemson Tiger. He ripped out my heart pretty badly four years in a row. He's an absolute beast. He beat South Carolina with no ACL. He tore his ACL, went out there in a brace, and still beat South Carolina, who's their arch rivals. This is like Lakers, Celtics, except for Rednecks. Like that, This is how big of a rivalry it is. It makes Texas and A&M seem a little tame. It makes Oklahoma, Texas, only if you only take the bad parts of the, those fan bases, that's the entire rivalry in South Carolina and Clemson. So I have admittedly was very, very biased against Deshaun, and I was wrong, and I have to apologize every single year, and I will continue to do so. Now, I'm also very glad that I was wrong. Like there, When I even said at the same time, that we had the draft, is when we draft him, if we drafted him, I would become his biggest fan and I'd become his biggest cheerleader because I wanted him to succeed. At this point, it's not even because I want him to succeed. Just the joy that he brings me watching him play on Sundays is something that I never thought that I would get to experience from a quarterback. This is something that other teams get. We get that now with Deshaun. That is so cool. Yeah. No, yeah, I think yeah, I think one thing that you said um, was talking about how, like, there's kind of, like, a misinformation about him. I think he's the perfect example of why, like, scouting is so, so hard and how people are just kind of overanalyzing prospects nowadays. They're looking at all the things he can't do. Oh, bad arm, through too many turnovers, whatever they said, right? And they aren't focusing on, number one, what he did on the field, the winning and, like, the intangibles, that entire aspect. They just, they thought that, oh, because he has a weak arm, that just didn't matter, which is stupid. Um, so I think that's just a really good example of what he can do. And because he's such a good worker that he can fix those little things, those throwing too many interceptions, like little decision-making stuff like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely with you real, real glad that we got him for me during like the whole draft process. I didn't even think he would last to us whatsoever. I didn't think there was any chance he was leaving the top 10. I didn't think there was any way that we'd even trade up for him. I thought we were going to take, I didn't even think we were going to take a quarterback in first round as badly as we needed one, but glad we did obviously. Yeah, I think that year, uh, Swan went through and listened to all of our podcasts like about a year ago, and she she came back and, and just ripped us a new one. But um, I didn't want us to take a quarterback either. Uh, I was big on Deshaun, but I just I was in my mind I had it mentally already wrapped around my head that Sean wasn't going to be there when we picked that. Tw- it was like twenty three or twenty six. So I went in with the intention of there's not going to be a quarterback worth taking at that point. Um, I think I wanted a cornerback or, or something, most likely a cornerback because that's just my love. But um, And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're truly, like, it, it's amazing when you think about, like, where this team has come. Like, you know, this team was has been a laughing stock for, you know, a long time. And not just with Bill O'Brien, but with um, Kubiak. And we were always just the maybe team, right? Like, if things worked out properly, 
But now we've switched from the maybe team to we have Deshaun Watson, so we're always going to be in it. And and that's, like, a thing that I don't think people realize. So, like, when it comes to this Kansas City game on Thursday, like, okay, we're 10-point – or now we're 9-point underdogs. Like, to me, that's just, like, you guys don't realize what Deshaun is capable of. Like, I think we're – I think Vegas has it – like, we're our over under is seven and a half games won this year. My initial thought is then Deshaun must not play 16 games because there's no way we go under eight games. I, I just can't see it. And then, yeah, so I, I don't know. Deshaun is he's just amazing. But when we look at it, who he is as a quarterback, I think that's really the biggest thing. Rookie year, came in, set the league on fire. I mean, all, all, all the plays were specific to his skill sets. They took advantage of it. He was going to break and smash, I mean, smash every NFL record there was for rookies at the time, uh, was on pace for all sorts of things, had the Seattle game, Jordan, that you and I just love watching. Um, and then, you know, the Titans game where he drops just stupid numbers on the Titans and uh, that's what tears his ACL. And we, we look and see what he can get better at. And I guess now we're at the point to where, you know, after watching all of last year's snaps, I, I know we have – Jordan, what do you take from 2019, and what do you see of like what do you see from Deshaun that not only in, just instills so much more confidence, but just that you know he's just going to get better. And and let's take the DeAndre Hopkins aspect out of it. Let's let's not worry about that right now. Let's just talk about Deshaun, the quarterback. Yeah. So just Deshaun, like we've we've I've watched. Um, basically every single snap of that he's been in a Texans jersey from year one to, to now. And the improvements are really clear to see, I think, if, you, if you're watching the film. And that's just what you love to see. That's the number one thing that is always going to give you confidence in him because he's not done growing. He's not at a ceiling, right? And so just to get into the specifics, like the number one thing that he's gotten better at is just reading defenses. It's really just that's the clearest thing to see is, like, yeah, he lit the league on fire as a rookie, but a lot of those were on, like, huge plays. And, like, if you actually were to, like, break down, like, on a play-by-play basis, he was making, like, poor decisions and kind of getting bailed out sometimes. And, and sometimes he would still, like, just have some mind-boggling decisions. So that's definitely gotten a whole lot better. He's gotten, like, safer with the ball. He's just made quicker decisions reading defenses. All, like, the playbook's completely open to him. Obviously, he can do anything. There's no limitations from that side of it. And then another thing is that I really love is his eye manipulation. He's gotten so good at moving safeties, and that's why, like, he's that's part of the reason why he's such a good deep ball thrower. Everyone wants to say, like, oh, you you think like a deep ball is about your arm, right? And it's about accuracy, but it's also about being able to move safeties and get them out of position so that you can hit your your wide receivers deep. Um, and then, kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about that I really notice is when he and like a lot of mobile quarterbacks will do this when they get first into the league is because they are so mobile, they'll rely on their legs so much. And at the first sign of pressure, they'll be hopping out of the pocket. They're scrambling, they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off, right? And that's how Deshaun was a little bit as in his rookie season as well. He was just like just the pressure of an NFL defense. It's going to get to you a little bit. And he obviously wasn't as composed. And sometimes he would scramble when he wouldn't need to and when he could just stand in the pocket and make a throw. And he's just gotten so, so much better composure and command of the pocket. And that's what really separates the good, the mediocre to the elite quarterbacks is pocket presence. And and all of these things is like they're only going to get better. Like you can never really be perfect at anything as a quarterback. And just knowing that he has the drive and, and the work ethic to want to be great 
it's just that's what really instills so much confidence. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, there's just there's so many things like uh, you know a part of his game that we want to take away, but we also don't want to take away is his his willingness to hold onto the ball for that extra play, right? But like we've also seen how many times that is so important to his style of play, and it is it is needed, or else things don't happen. He makes things happen. Um, but as he gets older, he's going to have to start to learn to develop, you know, getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. And it looks like the Texans are putting him in a, in a position with the organization and the roster around him that that's that's where they want to go. They don't want him to rely on himself. They want him to be around, you know, forever. And they're giving him quick, you know, quick options, whether it be Randall Cobb, whether you agree with this contract or not, a reliable slot wide receiver who's open in the middle of the field, which is Deshaun's favorite place to throw the ball. Like, and, and speed with Brandon Cooks and hopefully, you know, 16 games of Will Fuller and two dynamic running backs and, you know, three really good tight ends. Um, you know, this team is really built around what Deshaun is able to do and his specific skill set. Uh, and it's just – it's like when you think about what Deshaun is, it's exciting. Like I hate to go back to the Kobe thing, but, like, I'm a grown man. Like I'm 36. I should not be infatuated with another grown man the way that I am with Deshaun, but it's so similar for me with the way it was with Kobe. Like I, I gravitate towards him. He, he, he inspires me. Like he, he, he pushes me that that's what the great athletes do. And it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about this 24, 25 year old kid is able to make an impact the way that he's able to. Um, He's just special. Yeah. And here's the things that we're kind of sort of touched on about Deshaun. It's, not only does he look to keep the play alive, he's actually really good at avoiding the big hit. He just gets hit a lot because he never gives up. The second thing about Deshaun that's really going to make him stand out is he still looks to throw the ball down the field. Even when he's scrambling, even when he's running away, that right there is why he will probably be more successful than just about every other so-called mobile quarterback coming into the league that were supposed to be scramblers first, uh, passer second. Deshaun has never lost fact or lost sight of the fact that he is a passer first. He doesn't have a bad pocket presence. The reason he gets sacked so much, though, is he has a Superman complex. Now, hopefully, with the new options they bring in, uh, with Randall Cobb, with the receiving running backs, and they have really put a focus on these receiving running backs. And the amount, you know, really, you may not agree with the tight ends they brought on, or they, the third tight end that they decided to bring. All three of their tight ends are pass catchers. Like, all of these are quick little outlets. So hopefully, Deshaun will get rid of the ball and not continue to spin around and try and make something happen. I mean, that's honestly what it just comes down to. Like, Deshaun knows better to protect himself, but he's got to start, you know, just dumping the ball off. That's honestly his biggest weakness. He still looks for that home run. He still has that Brett Favre streak in him where he's going to try and take that deep out every single time he can. Yeah, I think to talk about that, to touch on that point, like I've gone back and forth with a lot of people on this, and I think that, I think James is kind of more right on this is you don't, like this is who Deshaun is. This is who he's always been. And yes, there's about like finding a balance, but it's never going to be completely eliminated or like toned down to a point where he's not going to be taking the play and he's only going to be checking down, right? And I get that you want him to make that simple, easy play, but like you can't tell him not to be who he is. And so I guess it's just really tough to find that balance. And it's something that he's going to, 
he'll figure it out over the years. Um, and so I, I guess what we're trying to say is like he doesn't need to go to either extreme. It's just all about finding that balance because like if no, if we don't want him to turn to Alex Smith. We don't want him to turn yeah. into a check down Charlie. Like if he's a check down Charlie, Gardner that last you. I mean, if that's that's what Gardner Minshew is in Jorts. Like we don't want that. Nobody wants that. We just want Deshaun around for all six years of his contract. Oh no! See, I I disagree. I want Deshaun around for the next, you know, twelve years beyond six years. It's not about the six-year contract. And I think I think what what Bill O'Brien's doing right now is he's 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 teaching Deshaun how to and when to use. And that's the thing. I think that's what Jordan's trying to say is you have to understand that this is an element of his game that will forever be here. There's no eliminating and and and, and get getting rid of. It's never going to go away. You have to be able to balance it. Find the right times to do it. The Buffalo game, boom, take a double hit, spin out, you know, carry it out, throw it to Taiwan Jones. Like, there's just parts of his game that he's going to have to fine tune for him to be able to be on the field longer. And that's just, we're all going to have to live with it. There's nothing we can do. But you have to find a balance, especially, you know, you say Brett Favre. Like, Brett Favre never found that balance. Brett Favre was Brett Favre until he retired. But Deshaun is 24. There's still ways to ingrain in his head and muscle memory and understand that if he's going to play for a while and he's going to be legendary, as he says, and he's going to be great, he's going to have to find a way to fine-tune it but also under, understand how to utilize it and, and the right times to utilize it. So, right, and uh, I think everybody's in agreement. You don't want that part of him to go away. You don't want it to disappear. But you want the maturity – you want him as he matures to realize that there's – other ways to alleviate the pass rush by looking for those short passes. Yeah, literally what I just said. I mean, just yep. right, right, what he needs to do. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Deshaun Watson's an amazing quarterback. I really think this year's the year where, like, he. I think, and I've said it before, I do think he's a better quarterback than than Patrick Mahomes. I just think Patrick Mahomes is in the absolute perfect situation when it comes to athleticism and a quarterback. Uh, if you just put them up there with no names and gave me all the athleticism from Deshaun and whatever Patrick Mahomes has, I think nine out of 10 GMs would take Deshaun Watson over Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think this year we're going to see a lot more out of Deshaun given the players that he has around him and the way that the offense is going to look. I guess, Jordan, is it safe to say that this will be the best year that Deshaun Watson, obviously based on health, will have statistically and winning-wise? Um, statistically and winning wise, I think you have to say that you can definitely say statistically, I'll get to winning wise in a second, but statistically we'll look at that first. Like quarterbacks, no matter how talented they are, they do need some help. Like obviously Deshaun has carried us throughout this, these seasons that he's been with us, but if they're going to get to that next level, they do need at least a little bit of help. Are, are you and sure is, about that? I mean, based on the national reports, I could have sworn it was DeAndre Hopkins that, that made Deshaun. Yeah, those those be crazy. These little these little media reports be they be wild and I don't know what they say. This is but, everywhere uh, from regular football to fantasy football that the reason that Deshaun Watson it was in the tier that he was is because he had the best receiver in football. Now, I'm not gonna trash I'm not gonna trash Hopkins. I'm not. However, I do think that, that it's completely unfair to say that Deshaun was only good because he was throwing him throwing to Hopkins. Well, that's another conversation. I, I I agree. I think we need to have that conversation in this podcast too, but I want to hear kind of Jordan's thoughts as far as like 
what he is and who he is as a player and what we should expect from him in this season, I think we should definitely have the conversation before this episode ends about Hopkins making Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think so. Statistically, from that standpoint, like he has the most around him that he's ever had. He came into this league with the one, arguably the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. He came in with only Hop, an off-injured Fuller, like never like consistent slot wide receivers, never consistent tight ends, never a consistent running game. And now this year, everything is revamped. The best offensive line he'll ever have. You've got a potentially elite running back in David Johnson. And if we got Carlos Hyde 1,000 yards last year with that O-line, this O-line is going to do the same or even better with David Johnson. And then the weapons, yeah, you don't have your star guy. You don't have your 99 overall wide receiver, but you've got four, like, 80-plus wide receivers, to put it in, like, a Madden rating standpoint, right? Um, and so I think he's really going to thrive on that. And, like, what James said from his book is that he wants to spread the ball around. That's when he's at his most dangerous. That's how he's comfortable playing. And so I think... We've been talking about it this entire offseason that the Texans are really building their team around him and building building it so that he's put into a position to, to succeed. And I don't know how he can't have the best statistical standpoint, statistical season from all that and all the work that he's going to put in. So, Yeah. Uh, John, what are your thoughts, I mean, as far as the expectation for Deshaun this season? I think there is absolutely no doubt that he's going to have a better statistical season than he's ever had. The way the offense is being shaped – I mean, he has to. The past two years were identical. Like, honestly, they really were. And I don't want to hear the excuse that, well, he played 16 games one year, 15 games the other. Well, the year that he played 16 games, he also had a punctured lung and broken ribs. So those are going to hold down his stats. He actually regressed a little bit last year and threw more interceptions than he did two years ago. So, you know, those seasons, for all practical matter, they're equal. This year, he's got more weapons. We will not run into the end of the season issue where we essentially only had one receiver. That's not going to happen again. I think that's part of the reason why the practice squad is set up the way it is. Even if everybody gets hurt that could possibly get hurt, we still have NFL-quality receivers on the roster, um, no matter what. Um, So, And then on top of that, the running backs that they're bringing in are pass catchers. These are all going to feed Deshaun's stats. Ultimately, those stats don't really matter. Deshaun can come out. Well, I mean, that would be fun. It would be a lot of fun for Deshaun to come out here and have an all-time great season, uh, especially for like a Texan, be the second Texan to lead the league in passing. We, It's within the realm of outcomes. It's definitely believable, and that would be great. But ultimately, we want to win. And I think that Bill O'Brien has done actually a fairly solid job of adapting to, to what the schedule is going to give him this year. This is going to be a nutty, nutty year. And we've got to have speed, and you got to score a lot of points because nobody's going to be able to play defense. So, yeah, Desha- and this all starts with Deshaun, um, and he can take advantage of it. He is the number one deep deep thrower in the league. Um, passes over 30 yards, he led the league in completions on them. He had the highest cl- completion percentage on those. We're going to play to that strength, and we should win more games because of that in an offensive league. Yeah, yeah. I think really quickly, just really quickly, just the last thing is like I talked about all the the personnel. We all talked about the personnel stuff, and I think the biggest thing is is really just the scheme and the play calling. Um, do they do they really go full on with the deep passing game like we think they are? Because John, you talked about like the re- the statistical regression like very slightly that he had going from to last year, 
And that's really just because of the scheme that they put him in, that quick passing offense, because they wanted to get the ball out quick. They were tired of the sacks. They wanted to protect him. And they were playing to the strength of the wide receivers on their team. Like, they wanted to get DeAndre Hopkins in the slot and over the middle of the field, right? So now that that's out the way, if they do stick to the deep passing offense, which always put up numbers back to his rookie year, that play action heavy, that's what's really going to put it all together. They have to run the right scheme. They have to use the weapons that they have properly. And if they do, then, yeah, there's zero doubt in my mind he'll have the best season ever. Okay, so I guess quickly uh, I'll, I'll go to you, John, then I'll go to you, Jordan. From a winning perspective, do you think this will be the most successful year with Deshaun at quarterback for the Houston Texans? So you're saying, will we get to the AFC Championship? Um, could be beyond that. Could be, you know. Seeing as how making it to the playoffs, everything's kind of, at that time, it's kind of random. I will say that this will be the best Texans team offensively that we've seen. That will be as far as I put it. I I don't know how many wins we're going to have. There's too many things, too many factors, too much craziness, too many random ways the ball bounces, too much. I mean, if you just look at Deshaun's record and, and games that, you know, we should have won, sometimes it's just literally a little bit of luck. So I'm not going to put an amount of wins out there because I can't predict the luck. But I can say that we will have the strongest offense that we've had as a Texans team. Jordan? Yeah, John makes a really good point is about the playoffs. It's it's so much about luck. It's so much about your matchup. Like, we could get a tougher team in the first round than we would have played in the second round. And what I mean by that is, like, look at the Titans last year. Like, they matched up very, very well with the Ravens. And even though everyone would have thought that they were the underdogs and the Ravens were they were the best team in the division or second best, like, it's really all about who you match up with if you can play to your strengths. And there's certain teams that we match up better against in the AFC than, than others, right? And so I think overall it's very hard to predict, obviously. But if I were to say I do think that he does have the best season, like winning-wise and record-wise and, and playoffs-wise, and he takes us the deepest that we possibly can, as long as everything plays out, obviously, as long as injuries are all good, which you kind of just have to assume. And, and I guess we're already starting off to a bad note. But if all of that's good, um, I do I do believe He'll lead us the farthest we've ever been. Okay. All right, so let's tie up the Watson cast portion of the podcast. And, um, you know, I guess we, we've pretty much said everything that we can, but let's let's end it with this, uh, you know, good, good segment as far as DeAndre Hopkins making Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like in the book, he, he – uh, he mentions that he, uh, he likes to pass – he likes to move it around and spread the wealth, and he likes to hit – the open receiver. That's that's a big part of his game. That's something he's done his entire life. And there, he talks a lot about it from uh, – he goes from a basketball perspective that when he was growing up, he would play point guard, and people would always point out how he was never looking for points. He was always looking to distribute and get other people involved. Um, uh, I can give my two cents. Like, I, I think it's stupid. I honestly think it's a lazy narrative to think that a receiver can make a quarterback. Um People that say that really kind of lose credibility with, with me because the film tells you a completely different story. Uh, and, you know, when you look at Hop in, in the slot last year, he really didn't do anything that was just amazing as a slot wide receiver. He just happened to be playing slot and, you know, was a good wide receiver. It's not like he, you know, was Julian Edelman in the slot or Wes Walker in the slot. Uh, he's just a bigger target. He gives you a the ability to be able to throw outside the numbers more uh, because of his catch radius. 
So that's a security blanket for for a quarterback because your balls aren't going to get tipped and the likelihood of an interception are going to be a lot less, you know, a lot more slim than any other wide receiver you may be throwing to. But the narrative that DeAndre Hopkins made Deshaun Watson to me is really up there with some of the lazier narratives that I've seen from national media and people who claim to um, actually know the game. I, I, I just can't get behind that narrative. Jordan, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so I think I think you're right. It's like this is it's a lazy narrative. It's a narrative that is brought up to to drive engagement, to drive all these like wild opinions, just so that people can get clicks, clicks. So that media networks they drive up the ratings, right? That's what it's all about nowadays. People don't really care about the facts anymore. People just want to make a scene of things, and that's the best way is discredit your team's star, right, in the biggest trade of, of the offseason. Um, and so, like you said, like pointing to the film, like I guess it's kind of hard to to differentiate because we've never seen Watson without Hopkins on the Texans. So that's kind of like how you would, like, you know what I mean? Like we still put in the same stats, still dragging us to wins without Hopkins. And you then there's absolutely no way you can say that Hopkins was making him, right? Um, but we don't have the benefit of that. And so I think what you can look to is how he – elevates the the non-DeAndre Hopkins wide receivers. Whenever Will Fuller's on the field, he is a game changer. He's a cheat code. He's made, not made Kenny Stills really good, but his chemistry with Kenny Stills, like even though they didn't get a lot of practice time together, they instantly pretty much clicked and they could have been better, but with how little practice time they had, they were really good. And all these guys like Demaryius Thomas, even when he was with the team, Deshaun made him look good. Bruce Ellington, like these these like guys who are not top of the line guys, he always makes them a little bit better, and that's what you want under your quarterback. And I'm with you. I just, I don't think you can you can say that DeAndre made Deshaun whatsoever, but that's what they're going to stick with, obviously. And and uh, we're just going to the broom run. I'm going to throw out a couple of points, not necessarily because I agree with them, but where they're coming from. So first and foremost, part of the reason why they're saying that. De- Dre allowed Deshaun to make Bruce Ellington and Arius Thomas and others good is because DeAndre Hopkins demanded um, he demanded safety help. He demanded uh, double teams. With that, with the coverage rolled over to cover Hop, those were supposedly easier passes to Ellington, easier passes to those other you know random receivers that we've had fill in. The other point on it is Hop did make quarterbacks better. Granted, he did not make offenses better. So keep this in mind. We had both Hoyer take us to the playoffs. We had Osweiler take us to the playoffs. I can't even believe that I said that out loud. And pretty much those were with offenses that were built around DeAndre Hopkins. So granted, neither one of those offenses even finished in the top half of the league. I'm not even sure they finished in the top 20 teams in the league off the top of my head. But those are where those arguments are coming from. So you have Deshaun now, who we got rid of his his safety blanket. Whenever Deshaun was in trouble, he could force it to Hop. Hop made a ton of contested tests or contested catches. He demanded extra. He demanded double teams. He demanded coverage to be rolled over. And you know he did make other quarterbacks better. So that's where those arguments are coming from. I think there's an yeah. There's definitely an argument to be made that he can improve like a a mediocre or a bad quarterback to being at least like average right he can definitely make that improvement but when you already have a quarterback who's very good like 
I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I think um, in terms of like the winning record oh, no, thing, no, like no, I no, think this is not where I'm coming from. Like no one, hey, where, please, where, where, don't, where, don't, put, don't put that juju out there. I don't want that hate, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think with like the oh Osweiler brought us to the playoffs, like or we went to the playoffs with Osweiler. It's it's because our defense was like top five that year in those couple of years. Like our defense was elite, elite. Like you said, our offense was never really in, in the top 20 even. And so I, I don't think that's really like a hop thing at all. I think it's just our defense being ridiculous. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. So, I mean, DeAndre signed his contract today. I guess we'll get that out of the way as well before we get into the, the week one preview. But, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts? You know, uh, we still need to see, like, the details and the way it looks, but it, it looks to me, based on what I've read, that it's going to be uh, $27 million this year and $42 million next year, uh, and then an average of 18.5 for the remaining three. I don't know about you guys, but I love Hop. I think he's an amazing wide receiver, but I wouldn't pay him that over who we did pay. Like dear God, like <laughs> in one year. I, that David Johnson, we complained that he was expensive. Um, Brandon Cooks, we complained that he's expensive. Correct. Both of them combined, still don't make that much money. And I believe you can throw in like um, Jacob Martin easily. You could throw him in. I think you could throw in six heavy contributors to that one contract. I mean. More power to hop. Like, honestly, good for him. I I want NBA-style contracts in the NFL. I want these guys to make money. They earn it. They sacrifice years off their lives. Like, I'm never going to be mad at a man for going out there and getting his money while he can. But good Lord, as a Texans fan, I don't know how you build I, – I would feel bad for our Cardinals team. I don't know how you build a team when you have a wide receiver who is relying on a quarterback to throw him the ball making that much money. Well, so to be clear, they're in a very good position cap-wise because Kyler's on his, only on his second year in his rookie deal, um, and a lot of their guys are on rookie deals. So they have a good three to four years before this, this catches up to them. So they'll be, able to, they'll be able to do you know what they need to do. And if they can capitalize on this window with Kyler and DeAndre and Isaiah Simmons and their defense and things of that nature, um, you know, it'll look like a great move, and people really won't complain about what he got paid. Um, they were the only team that, uh, you know, I got into an argument with Cody about it today, but like, I was not an argument, just a conversation really, uh, not, not Cody, our Cody, but Cody Johnson. Um, but like, if you really look at it, like out of ever, all the teams in the NFL, what team had a rookie quarterback last year that has the upside of Kyler Murray and has four more years of his rookie deal and could also afford DeAndre Hopkins contract. Like, like Cody mentioned the giants, like the giants are still unsure of Daniel Jones and they need more than a wide receiver to be competitive. He mentioned the jets. The jets are a pure dumpster fire. They, they need, they need old line help. They need defensive line help. Like DeAndre is not going to help that team. And I don't think that there's a team or a way that you could have gotten more compensation for DeAndre Hopkins. If this is what his, his expectation was for a contract. I, I just can't see the smart GMs out there. And to be honest with you, we don't know if Arizona is smart. We really don't. 
we're talking about a team that that just gave up on their quarterback the year prior to draft another quarterback number one overall. Like, sure, Kyler is an upgrade over Josh Rosen, but this team hasn't shown stability over the last five years. We're literally talking about one season of Cliff and the new general manager. So this could easily blow up in their face. But I just don't see that there was another team that could potentially give them that could yeah, give. You're, them you're right. What other team has a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal that thinks that they're competitive? That thinks that they are competitive right now, or at and, least within the next two years, right? Right. And there's not. And I don't even. I I really don't know if it's the right mood for Arizona, um, even if they can afford it. Because you looked at how stacked that division is, I, I mean, and they really were the only team that fit that criteria. I cannot think of another team anywhere close to that. Now, I know it was tossed out, well, look at what Amari Cooper and Stephon Diggs. Well, both of those situations were different. Stephon Diggs wanted to go to Buffalo because he wants to be the wide receiver one. He wants no doubt that he's a wide receiver one. He's willing to pay under that contract because he thinks he can make more money further down the line than he would if he signed a contract now. So that's a different circumstance. And then with the Cowboys and Cooper, the Raiders wanted compensation and they didn't care about winning. The Texans still cared about winning and we cared about getting players that could help us as soon as possible. Um, We know that we have our quarterback. We know that we are in our window. So Bill O'Brien didn't want to possibly sit on hop and let him wait to get a better deal he wanted to make sure that he got something as soon as he could so he could start building the team for this year well on top of that the no trade pause and no franchise tag like i don't know if as an organization i'd be comfortable with a player with this contract being able to put that in the contract terms but jordan go ahead Um, I was just going to say, like, the whole, like, I guess just getting behind, like, the whole reasonings of everything. Like, people were saying that, like, oh, money wasn't the the issue at all. Like, they could have paid him or whatever. Like, they were fine with that. Like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's not actually asking for a contract from Arizona because it's been quiet. But, like, it's just kind of interesting that Hopkins, like, asked about it so quietly and we, and we didn't, like, or sorry, they were working on it so quietly with, like, Arizona. I thought that was an interesting talking point because, like, with us, he was always kind of more vocal about it, and now he goes over there, and maybe it's just because he has more respect for their GM. I don't know what it is, but I just thought that that whole point of, like, oh, he hasn't been talking for asking for a contract yet or whatever, that's all gone. So now, like, clearly that's, like, a logical reason as to why. So you got that. You got the scheme, scheme fit that we want to move on to. Like, I guess it's just, like, there's more and more reasons every day that, like, hop being, hop being traded, like, makes sense is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I would agree. All right, enough with hop. Let's get to uh, why we're here. So we're here for the week one preview. We play the Kansas City Chiefs in literally two days. Uh, in less than twenty four, in less than forty eight hours, we're going to be at kickoff. Jordan, what about this this matchup? Is it well? Let me rephrase it. Are there any parts of this matchup that you're confident in going into Kansas City Week One? Matchups that I'm confident in would be our wide receivers versus their cornerbacks, and especially if Brandon Cooks does play. I know he's on the he was questionable for the on the injury report, but I think he'll play just because it's it's week one. Um, 
that's definitely like their cornerbacks. They are underrated. Traveris Ward's pretty solid. Um, and they got another dude. I forget what his name is, but they aren't horrible. They aren't complete trash. But our wide receivers, like we spent the money, we spent the investments in them. Like I want to see them play up to what they're supposed to play up to. You know what I mean? When I was rewatching the the playoffs game from last year, the biggest thing that stood out to me is that we were getting like next to no next to no separation whatsoever. So what is Deshaun supposed to do, right? And that should be a huge thing that we should look to exploit because our defense, especially now with Gary Conley missing the first couple of weeks at least, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for sure. I think the Chiefs still have some matchups that worry me, especially with with Kelsey and and if we're not going to be able to have Gary Conley on the outside and that puts Roby in the outside likely and we'll get into more of that but yeah that the biggest one that i'm looking forward to see is our wide receivers okay all right john what about you is there a matchup that you're that you're uh confident in honestly depending on how we scheme but i want to see our running backs versus their linebackers yep i think that'll be a lot of fun um i want to see akins versus tyron matthew because you know that's Tyron's uh, big weakness, and Akins could actually take advantage of it. It, it just depends if, you know, we're going to actually try and take advantage of it. I think that it'll be interesting to see without Hop there how our scheme changes because, honestly, a lot of our scheme was built around getting the ball to Hopkins, and it'll be completely different this year, and I think that that should be kind of a shock to Kansas City because I believe they think they know what to expect from us, and hopefully it'll be a little bit different. Yeah, I think – so I say I say matchup, and maybe I should have worded that a little bit different. I think just aspects of the game. I think the biggest aspect that I'm looking forward to that I think is going to create an issue is they really don't know what our offense is going to look like. Um, they're used to seeing what we've done in the last two years. They're not used to seeing what potentially we could be doing, Right. This whole Cooks thing of, you know, is Cooks going to play, is Cooks hurt? You know, is that more of you're going to have to prepare for Kenny or you're going to have to prepare for Cooks and Fuller? Um, you know, is it more of a mind game thing for, for, for Bill O'Brien? Because Brandon Cooks practiced throughout all of training camp and was there. So it's I find it a bit strange that he hasn't practiced the last two days. We'll find out more tomorrow. But I think that the aspect of not being able to predict what our offense will look like and how you could potentially scheme that from a defensive perspective from the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be an advantage for the Houston Texans. Um, I also, yeah, Conley, that that really does worry me. I mean, we brought it up last week, Jordan. We talked about how gingerly he looked in the scrimmage and the film that we were able to see. Uh, he didn't look very confident in his ankle. Uh, I, I am glad that they're putting him on, on IR and not risking him getting hurt more because I do think that Conley long-term for the season is going to play a much bigger role than these first three games of the season. Um, so we're going to have to see if Lonnie's going to step up, right? This also takes away the Lonnie on Kelsey thing that I, you know, that we really think that, you know, Lonnie can step up to that task. Lonnie's going to have to play outside now. So they're going to have to figure something else out. I don't know if it's A.J. Moore. A.J. Moore is pretty tiny. Uh, I don't believe it's Justin Reed. Um, maybe it's Eric Murray. I don't know, but I don't think so. So, there's a, there's some areas that are, are you know really bring up some concerns for me. I guess Jordan, your biggest concern going into this game would be what? Yeah, so my biggest concern is it's Kelsey because even when we had our our guy in Lonnie to guard him, we couldn't right. And now the matchups they're gonna get moved around a little bit because like 
ideally we could have Lonnie on Kelsey, and I still want to double him with a safety over top. And then you put, say, Conley and Roby on the outside. You feel confident in that. You can have Roby follow Tyreek Hill. I've, I've said time and time again, he is one of the best Tyreek Hill stoppers or guys who can slow him down there is in the league. And Garan Conley, he locked down Sammy Watkins in the playoff game. That's a really good matchup for him to match up with Sammy Watkins' strengths. He erased him completely. And um, But without that now, you've got to start. What they're probably going to start is, is Lonnie and Roby on the outside and then probably Vernon Hargraves over John Reed in the slot. Even though we all want John Reed, we all want to see what he's got. We're all excited about his potential. This is, I'm just, I'm just guessing here, but they're going to go with the vet over him. That's who they're going to trust, I'm guessing. Um, and so my kind of plan, I guess, for Kelsey would be to put Jay Reed on him. Because I do love Jay Reed as their single high, but they, you got to trust in Roby to, to stick with Hill and not play too far off of them because they can eat you up underneath too with Kelsey. So you got to get Jay Reed up there, getting physical with him. And then I would honestly like to double him with another safety. And this is where AJ Moore can come in. Either AJ Moore or Eric Murray playing over top, kind of bracketing. Um, and I think they're going to be into forced into a lot of dime in this game. That's going to be our best way to play this with three safeties, one of them deep and then one of them um, helping out Jay Reed on Kelsey. And then what that'll also do is you can kind of, rotate one of those safeties from helping Jay on top and also going over to cover the running back. Another matchup that people get worried about a lot and should be is Clyde Edwards Elayer, the running back. We know that our linebackers aren't great in man coverage and we we should really try and scheme this with a are fairly very rarely ever in man. And so I think we're gonna see a lot of dime out of nickel out of the Texans. Yeah. Uh John, your thoughts kinda of, what concerns do you have about this team? Well our pass rush. Um, I was going to go with um, our cornerbacks, but, you know, Jordan kind of hit on everything that I was going to say, and I don't want to sound like I'm just repeating him. So we have to have a pass rush. Um, hopefully a healthy, refreshed J.J. can be all the difference in the entire world. J.J. out there, you know, being J.J., that frees up uh, Merciless to do his things. Uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more from Menahue if he takes that, that jump that everybody's expecting him to take. And then having a situational rusher like, um, you know, like the GOAT come in and Jacob Martin and just and finish everything off. That's what we can hope, hope for. Um, I want to see if we're really going to have this attack in gap style uh, defensive line. The running game for the Chiefs doesn't really scare me. Pat Mahomes scares me. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, he's talented as, as a little scat back, but he's not going to be a power runner. I don't really see anybody on their roster that really scares me as a power runner. They're going to try and do dump-off passes to him and let the receivers burn our corners. So very, very similar game plan that I'm sure we're going to have. So it just comes down to, will we have enough pass rush to make up for whatever issues we have in the secondary? I think, the yeah, I think the pass rush, it's a tough thing to talk about because um, and starting with J.J. Watt is, like, he's kind of um, historically kind of like a slow starter. Um, obviously, he, he, like, tends to ramp it up later in the season, but the first couple of games he'll get back into, like, game-playing shape, you know, because they even are preserving him in training camp right now. And so it's just it's always hard to get back into that, and especially without the preseason, too. Like, so I think he he as we definitely need him a lot, but I just wouldn't expect a lot from him just to be realistic. Um, and I think the other thing with the pass rush is, like, yeah, you got to make Pat Mahomes uncomfortable, but you also got to be real disciplined in your lanes and contain him because as much as as great as Watson is, like making off script plays, Pat Mahomes is just as good 
And so that can really burn us. Um, so we, we just got to stay disciplined and contained in our, in our rush lanes. Let me ask you guys this. What is the, like, what are your expectations regarding the new, the new play caller on offense? Do you think we're going to see more of a balanced attack like we have in, in, in seasons past? Or do you think that this is going to be a whole new look? Like, do you think that we're going to see sprinkles of a new look or, or is it really just going to be like a whole new offense? You know, I think that it's not going to be, it's going to be the same offense. Like it's going to be that new England style of offense. Um, However, this offense tends to reflect the personality of the play caller and the quarterback. And maybe there's a better match because Bill O'Brien's play calling was very reflective of his personality. When he was mad and being aggressive, like the offense actually ran better than when he was trying to put the clamps down and trying to keep it safe. So hopefully, you know, the new play caller will maybe have watched McDaniels and how he operates the offense with the Patriots and Tom Brady. And not because we want um, to have that same sort of effect, but just how the offense will kind of morph to what the defense is giving to him, not necessarily trying to force the issue, which Bill O'Brien would sometimes do based on his mood. Yeah. For me, I think so much of it is is personnel-based. I think we finally have the personnel that Bill O'Brien wants. I remember one of the, like, the earliest quotes I, I read about him when he became the coach is like with that Patriots style, they want all these wide receivers who can who can do different things and have different um, values and bring different things to the table. And I think they have that with the four deep guys that they got. They're all very well-rounded. You can do a lot of things. You can ask them. They're all very versatile guys who can specialize in different roles as well. And the biggest thing that kind of set off like the whole personnel like bell for me of why that's like a good um, indicator of why he's going to change this offense. I'm not saying it's going to be completely changed either, but I do think we'll see different aspects. And the biggest thing for me is getting the running backs involved more in the passing game. We've all pounded on Bill O'Brien for not doing that since he's been here. And we have some valuable running backs over the years, like Lamar Miller um, passed. And, and now we've got two guys in Duke Johnson and David Johnson. And the main thing that set it off to me that made me really think about it is us signing CJ Procise to the practice squad. I think that's such a minor move that could go under the radar, but it just signals the kind of direction that we want to go with our Johnson Procise is not your ground and pound, run it up the A gap twenty times a game type running back. He is a scat back, he's a receiving back, he used to be a former wide receiver. And so in talking about like not bringing different like skill sets in the running back room, that just like goes to show that that's what they're trying to specialize in. And um, so getting running backs involved more will just make it really easy because we've got great elusive running backs who are going to pick up Yak. And, and people have been tweeting out left and right these past couple of days, but the Texans ran eight running back screens all of last year. Eight. They averaged half a screen a game. Like, that's insane. And when they did run it, especially to Duke Johnson, they were extremely productive. And so that's one, like, kind of big aspect. I, I really do hope they add more, and I think they will add more. So let's yeah, talk Duke Johnson about- was the most efficient receiver, running back, or receiver at screens, and they only ran eight. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, All right, let's talk about this defense a little bit. Uh, You know, we do have a rookie defensive coordinator, just like we have a rookie offensive coordinator. Um, You know, some would say that the talent really isn't there on defense. I think some would argue that there there is some talent. Some would say there's more talent than what we give credit to, uh, to the team for. I think the team. I think the defense 
from a player's perspective is average. I think we have, you know, a, a player at each position uh, that, that is, is good at what they do. Probably really good at what they do. You know, you have, you have JJ, then you have Zach, then you have Justin Reed, then you have Conley and Roby. Uh, outside of that, a bunch of other guys are really just kind of, you know, a- average to potentially above average guys, uh, second year guys in Charles Amenihu, things of that nature. Um, you know, is there a chance, Jordan, when you look at this team, is there a way for this team to perform at a high level on defense coming out the gate? It, it's it's going to be hard because of the, the moving pieces that they've got. And I think even over the years, the Texans, like their defenses have kind of started a bit slow and specifically the run defenses, um, just like tackling and stuff. And I think we'll see that league wide, but um, particularly about this defense, I think what we have to do to try and get an advantage on the offense is just continually switch up what we're throwing at Mahomes. We cannot like during the playoff game, we were pretty much exclusively man and they were able to beat that with a lot of um, what's the word rub routes. And we were just way too predictable. We showed them the same look over and over again and they were able to beat it and we weren't able to adjust to that. And so I think this year we've got to throw many different looks at them. We can start throwing more blitzes and then we can, like show the same look, but then drop back like eight in coverage, only rush three, have a spy, stuff like that. We've, we've got to contain him, but then we've also got to get after him. Like it's just all about throwing different things at Mahomes, getting him at least a little bit confused and, and making him work for it because as talented as he is, like you've got to at least just make it hard on him and make him earn every blade of grass. And I think right away it's going to be tough, but there are things. If, if Weaver is everything that the price has been about, like if he lives up to that, then yeah, we, could, we can slow them down for sure. John, what are your thoughts on going into the season, specifically with this game, as far as a matchup from a defensive perspective? Um, and if you were to take out one player in this game, who would it be? Two-part question. I'll go back to you, Jordan, for that part. Um, well, everything just kind of depends on, on Weaver. I think that we have more talent than than a 30th-ranked defense. Like, we're we're not that bad. But it'll be interesting to see what Weaver does, how the players react being aggressive after being relatively conservative for years under Rack. So it'll be an interesting mindset change. Like, their responsibilities are going to be different. If they're going from two-gapping to attacking, like, that's a lot different for the defensive line. And granted, Weaver's been the coach of that defensive line, so he knows them backwards and forwards. We have the same secondary coach. um, And we did switch from a zone-heavy to man-heavy last year. And maybe this year we'll see maybe more of a balance with that just because our guys have been in the system a little bit longer. Um, It's not a total overhaul of the secondary like it was last year. So, yeah, defense, I am terrified, honestly. Like, I don't expect us to be able to play very well, our defense to play very well. Um, I don't think any defense is going to play very well in the beginning. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the offenses to play to play not necessarily perfect, but there's going to be a lot of points scored. And obviously, if there's any player that I could get rid of, I mean, it's Pat Mahomes. Like, I, we don't want to play him. Well, I don't mean that. You know what I mean. <laughs> let's, let's be uh, clear. I could stand for Kelsey being on the injury report. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean injuries. I just mean, like, we take out. Like, we. Oh, I got you. I got you. What guy we scheme of the game that we he does not have an impact. I don't want injuries or anything like that. I mean, a guy that if you were to have the defense focus in on to take out of the game. So the whole Belichick take out their strength. Correct. 
So somehow we force them to have to run the ball. I don't know if that's possible, but we somehow force them to have to run the ball. If we force them into a situation where Mahomes doesn't have the deep looks, we may have a chance. Um, it's one of those where you keep him uncomfortable. Of course, it's the same It's the same way you keep every quarterback uncomfortable, um, interior of the pocket, and maintain discipline so he doesn't get those little cheap yards because he's the guy that never goes down. But, yeah, I I just don't see that happening. It's going to be a shootout. Okay. All right, Jordan, maybe you'll get this question. If you could pick one player to take off of, like to focus in on and take out of the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs that you think would have that would correlate more to a win, who do you think that one player should be and and how would you stop him? Yeah, I I alluded to it earlier, but it's most definitely Travis Kelsey. I think everyone's scared of Tyreek Hill and that's fair with his speed and everything, but he's not someone who's going to consistently beat you over a game. He's not someone who's going to put up double digit catches consistently if you don't double him you know what I mean he's gonna have that big 50 yard gain but Kelsey is their chain mover just like how DeAndre Hopkins was right he is Patrick Mahomes crutch you take away his crutch I don't know we haven't yet to be seen if Pat Mahomes can elevate you know what I mean what if Travis Kelsey made Pat Mahomes like DeAndre Hopkins made Deshaun right so I think if you can take that away it'll be that's their biggest chance at winning this game and how I would do it like I said before have read on him get him physical press him at the line of scrimmage, because Kelsey wins off his physicality. Um, and then you also got to have someone over top, whether that's A.J. Moore, whether that's Eric Murray, switch up the looks. You can't keep showing the same thing, and you can't stay in man all game either because that's what we did last time, and then they ran rub routes and they motioned him across the line so that Lonnie couldn't press him. So we got to switch it up, do some zone looks as well. Um, and, yeah, that's that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Kelsey is really like the the guy that makes that offensive that offense move. If you could take away one player from that from that offense, it's Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's the chain mover. He's he's their. I think he's their best offensive weapon outside of obviously Patrick Mahomes. Um, Tyreek Hill is going to burn you for for a deep catch every now and again, but it it's not something that you want to really take away. Like, and as, on top of that, like. That's really what he does. He's really more of a one-trick pony. Like, sure, you can use him on screens and things like that, but Kelsey is really their go-to for the offense. Um, so I, I agree. I think it would be Travis Kelsey. All right, let's go to predictions. Uh, John, your favorite part of, the, uh, of, of this conversation is predictions. You love predictions. Give me your prediction for Thursday night. Oh, I predict this to be the a throwback game of sorts. This is going to give you those same sort of vibes that um, – Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson in college gave that Louisville Clemson game that is an all-time classic where Clemson and Louisville literally went back and forth on the scoreboard. It's going to be the same sort of thing where Pat Mahomes is probably going to look like the best player out on the field, but the Texans are going to look like the better team. I think that they're going to play more under control. I think that they're going to – it's going to be smoother. I have a lot of faith in what this offense is actually going to do. Whereas I think that with the Chiefs, they're going to continue to do what they always do. Um, they score under chaos. And each team is going to go back and forth and score. I think that the Texans are ultimately going to squeak it out. It's going to come down to something silly like a missed field goal. But I actually do have faith that the Texans are going to shock the world because they're the underdog. All the pressure is on the Chiefs. All of the pressure is on the Chiefs. The Texans are coming in with free money. 
So, yeah, I think we're going to pull the upset, and we're going to change some narratives. Let me ask you this. Let me try to play devil's advocate a little bit. Do the Texans actually have the pressure on them due to the narratives, due to the talks of the offseason, due to the fact that they, you know, people believe, people that claim to be smarter than us when it comes to football believe that this team can't be successful without DeAndre Hopkins. Do you think that there's more to that than, you know, we're giving weight to? And on top of that, also, the way that the season ended last year, you know, 24-0 is forever going to be, you know, imprinted in our mind, uh, very similar to, you know, what it was with the Patriots and the Falcons. What was it, 28-3? to um, So, you know, like I said, to play devil's advocate, don't the Texans have something to prove and something to show? They have a chip on their shoulder. Like, all of that is very true, but they also have an excuse that they lose because they will be the, the underdog against the Chiefs. Like, nobody, there's not a single national broadcast that is going to pick the Texans to win over the Chiefs. If there is one person that picks the Texans over the Chiefs on the national broadcast this Thursday night um, during their pre-show, I'll buy you a shot. Like, it's not going to happen. So for the first game going in, I think that the Texans have a chip. They have a grudge. They have they have a boulder on their shoulder. They have more to prove, but their season isn't in jeopardy or they're not feeling – they don't feel the expectations of having to come out and be the Super Bowl champ. Like That's not what the Texans have. It's a different type of pressure. Okay. All right. Uh, Jordan. I guess, you know, yeah, for the game. I think to piggy off back off what John was saying is like they have an internal kind of like desire and motivation for this game. It's not necessarily pressure, but like all the players, like Justin Reed was the one who was like really vocal about it he's on Twitter. Like he's ready for this game. He's ready for this matchup. And that's got to flood throughout the locker room. And I just imagine that this is like their big game of like they want to prove themselves. It's not about like winner. It's not about like, Last season, like I think, I feel like they put that in the back of their minds. They moved on, but it's just about kind of showing out that they're not like these frauds and that they're here um, to win. And and I think that's that's going to play a big motivation in in terms of like the heart and desire that they play with. Um, and then the other thing is like we we kind of been talking about it with like the, the Chiefs have no pressure, and it's also just like the Super Bowl hangover that so many teams always have. And so I don't think that they're going to be 100% locked in. They're not going to be taking it as seriously. They're not going to be taking it as seriously. Everyone talks about the media not taking the Texans seriously, but the Chiefs must not either. If they're able to think like, oh, last season we went up, we went down twenty-four nothing against them, and we still came back. Like, oh, we don't got to take them seriously ever again. You know what I mean? And so I think all those things coupled, and, and the great point that you brought up that I've been thinking about is like they haven't seen our offense. They don't know what this is going to look like. There's no film on them, on us. Sorry, and that's why I like playing the Chiefs so early because of the Super Bowl hangover and because of no one knows what we're going to do. And so I think, like John said, like this is going to be a high-scoring affair. What this game kind of reminds me of is that I think it was 2018 or maybe 2017 Rams-Chiefs uh, game that was like they both put up 50-plus points. It was, it was ridiculous. And it's really going to come down to whoever has the ball last because the defenses aren't going to be able to hold either offense. And, and I do believe in us having the ability. I believe in Deshaun Watson. Like when it comes down to a close game, like I'm saying, it's going to be one possession, like whoever has the ball last, I believe in Deshaun Watson that he's going to – carry us to victory. So I got the Texans winning by like three. Okay. All right. I think, um, I think this new look offense is going to catch the Kansas city defense off guard. And that's, that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. 
you know, there's really no blueprint. There's no film. There's no understanding of what this team's going to do, how they're going to line up, what matchups they're going to expose. This is a whole new look offense. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of ground and pound. You know, the way we won in the regular season last year was keeping the football away from Patrick Mahomes. You know, maybe it won't just all be run game. Maybe it'll be, you know, short passes, intermediate passes, getting the running backs involved. But I think that they're going to try to play the time of possession game. I also think the Kansas Cities and, and, and the Texans are going to come out looking a little sloppy on both sides of the ball. You know, there was limited training camp, limited pad, padded practices. I think people are still going to be getting their legs underneath them, getting in football shape. And I think this is going to come down to like kind of like a last possession type of game. The over-under on this game is 54.5 points with their, with their points combined. I actually think I'd take the under on this game. I don't I don't see these two high-powered offenses coming in and just blowing everybody out of the water. I think it's going to take some time. I think I think maybe come the second half, I think we'll start to see things click a little bit more, but I do think that there's going to be some things happening. But I will say this. I do think that the offense is going to catch them off guard on the first two, maybe three series, um, and then after that it might be more of a possession-type game. But I do expect the Texans to win, I would say, by three, uh, you know, I don't know, 31-28. Actually, that would put me on the over. So we'll do 27-24. 27-24. Yep. Even if you're I even if you're right, even if there's a slow start, there, there's going to be more points scored than that. Okay. Like I said, the over under 54 and a half. Yeah. Vegas usually knows what they're doing. They do. <clears throat> right. However, this year I think it's going to be a little bit harder for anybody to get it right because Nobody knows what the Texans are going to pull out there. We have some semblance of an idea of what the uh, if the Chiefs are because it's the same thing from last year. But with the Texans, there will be just enough changes. So I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think that there's going to be a couple of minutes or a couple of possessions that just go so incredibly fast, and both teams get into the 30s. Okay. All right. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the podcast, question and answers with Jordan. All right. So every week you can ask me a question on Twitter. I always send out a tweet right before the pod. Um, this one comes from one of our Patreon members, though, Michael Mon 624 uh, He says, question for the pod. I've got this theory that if Hopkins for some reason quit football entirely or suffered a devastating injury, in the start of the offseason, and Bill O'Brien never got a chance to trade him for assets, that we would literally be ranked higher than we are now, merely because of the fact that it wouldn't have been a conscious decision to trade him. And it's just it's just that the media loved eating up how questionable the trade was. Um, he says, I get that it's counterintuitive, but the media never stops surprising me. So basically, James, if Hopkins had retired, like, magically, and in, and instead of trading him, but he just wasn't on the team anymore as it is now. How do you think that look on the Texans would be? Oh, I, I actually think that the narrative would be very similar. I, I think it's just one of those players, you know, being an all-time great, being a you know all-pro, great wide receiver. I think automatically it would have been, you know, what is this offense going to look like? How are they going to move on? I don't think that the Bob stuff would have came. Right, I don't think we would have seen the pile on all the funny jokes like, ah, oh, you know, you could have gotten a ham sandwich and a bag of Cheetos and for you know 
Deshaun Watson, you know, all those funny, cool tweets that people really put a lot of thought into. Um, but I, I still think that there would have been a narrative. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these guys don't watch Deshaun Watson play. Like, we really haven't seen the national media really crown Deshaun yet. Like, we know how good he is. There are certain national media members who know how good Deshaun is, but there aren't a lot that really have witnessed his greatness, and I think it's going to take this year for them to finally see that at the end of the day, no matter who we have on the team, if Deshaun Watson is is that quarterback, this team is always going to have a fighting chance on winning, and uh, I think this will be the year where people start to have that conversation. So I think I answered that question. All right, next one from Terrell Stand. Before you move on to the next one, because I actually disagree with James on it. I think the narrative would have been different because I think part of it is Bill O'Brien used to have actually a lot of defenders in the national media. They used to always point out, look at how he took the team to the playoffs with bad quarterback play. Um, When it was originally floated that Bill O'Brien would be fired, how quickly he would be rehired. So I think that the trade actually took a lot of wind out of that sales because a lot of people believe that it was such a boneheaded trade that that's part of the reason why they think that the Texans are going to be so bad is because their head coach is a bonehead. Um, all of your other points do agree with, they are valid. However, I think that that's ultimately a lot of the reflection is just on Bill O'Brien and not necessarily the players on the field or Deshaun Watson himself. However, the strange thing about that ser- Circum or that situation is the Texans wouldn't be as good without getting the compensation they got from the D hop trade without Blacklock, without cooks, without uh, Johnson, like the Texans zoo look significantly weaker. And that's what would have happened if hop just retired. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. Next question from Terrell Sands. He says, um, wait, where to go? How many, how many sacks do you think Deshaun Watson will take this year? John, we're going to start with you. How many did he take last year? 36. Yeah, I don't know. I have last year? One of them was 44 like... and then 62 the year before. Okay, it was 44 last year. At this point with the way our offensive line has gelled, he should cut that in half. You know what? I'm going to say he's going to cut that in half. That's, that's a, I think that's realistic. Wow. That's really – that's a huge jump. Um, I was going to say Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from and, like, where the offensive line has gotten so much better and, like, their pass block win rate was – I think it was, like, eighth or whatever in the NFL. And it's only going to go higher, especially now that you got two rookies going to two sophomores, um, the natural progression rate and the chem- chemistry and continuity and all that stuff. I think that he'll definitely cut it down. I'm going to say maybe like high 30s still just because of the nature of our offense. If we really are transitioning to that deep passing offense, he's going to be holding the ball more, which just leads to more sacks. That's just the nature of it. And so he might take, he might not see a huge drop in the sacks, but the overall like impact on the offense will still be so much better. You know what I mean? Well, we've discussed at length that most of those sacks were not on the offensive line. They were actually on Deshaun Watson himself. Um, However, I'm going to throw out there a half because the offensive line is going to continue to improve. They were eighth last year on pass blocking, and they're going to take another step up. So they take another step up. They're a top five in pass blocking. And Deshaun's going to take another step, and he's going to mature. So I don't know, 18 to 20 
sacks because he just won't give up on a play, I think that's more than reasonable. Um, if he continues into the 30s, I mean, it's possible, especially when they're the sacks that aren't really sacks where he runs out of bounds and things like that. But I do believe the number's going to come down significantly. And, yeah, and part of that will just be Deshaun's growth. For sure, for sure. All right, moving on from at Fire Bill O'Brien, who says, thoughts on no Conley for at least three weeks, and do you guys feel like they should sign a corner? James, is a perfect question for you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Fire Bill O'Brien, thank you so much for a question every week. I love that you're engaging. Two, um, you know, Conley not being here for, you know, probably the tougher, toughest part of the schedule is definitely a concern, right? Um it's going to be a loss. I mean, there's going to have to be some adjustments. You know, we have to trust a, a rookie defensive coordinator to scheme ways to be able to kind of hide uh, the lack of having Gary and Conley on the field. But, you know, we do have some guys that can play. We also have some unknowns. Uh, Lonnie is an unknown at this point. And if everything we've seen and heard is right and every, all the work he put in comes to fruition, then Lonnie should be fine on the outside. Roby on the outside is fine. He's, you know, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be fine. He's going to be above average. Um, you know, he would be best, you know, in the slot. But also I have to wonder, is Vernon Hargraves going to be, uh, you know, is it going to be a step up? Is it going to be a different Vernon Hargraves in the slot than what we saw last year? Is it the lingo, the adjustments to the scheme, understanding the defense and his, his assignments and responsibilities from the nickel? Uh, you know, is that going to help him? Um, and then, you know, you look at Philip Gaines did have some pretty meaningful snaps actually last year in against the Chiefs, uh, and he just got hurt. So, you know, I'm not confident in the secondary now without Conley, obviously, but I do think that there are players on the secondary that can step up and get us through week three to where Garyan comes in and then the secondary starts to take off. And I think really the coolest part about this is, and it's not cool because we're missing a star cornerback, but it's more that, this is going to give the the, pa- the pass rush and the defensive line and the outside linebackers the ability to be able to kind of understand what what the pass rush is going to look like and how to manufacture it. So when Conley comes da- comes back, maybe we'll see a, a, a much improved pass rush. And then you know when you take that with Conley, Roby, and and you know Lonnie and Hargraves and Reed, you know we should have a formidable secondary. Um, I'm concerned because I do think Gary and Conley is the best cornerback on this team, but. There's really not much you can do, and we've seen this team time and time again go through, you know, a turnstile at, at the secondary position and still be able to do just enough. Yeah, I'm with you with pretty much everything you said. I think for me, I think we're fine with, like, the in terms of, like, adding another cornerback, I think we're fine with the slot guys that we've got. We've got Roby who can play it. He'll probably play outside. I get that. And then we've got Hargaves. We've got John Reed. So we've got options there. The outside cornerback is probably where I'd like to look to go and add someone, maybe like a Prince Mukamara. That's probably like the biggest name out there right now. Um, just because I'm not big on Philip Gaines. I don't think, like like you said, we saw him in the Chiefs game. He wasn't great there. wasn't horrible. But then we just haven't seen enough of him to get like a good evaluation on him in this defense. So I'd look to get someone else. And then I think the other thing is like if we are playing Roby on the outside and then we need Vernon Hargaves or John Reed in the nickel, and neither of them are really stepping up to the plate. Then we have another guy in Eric Murray, who he's all about his versatility. He's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. He can play nickel. He did it for the Browns last year. He wasn't horrible. He wasn't amazing, but he can do it in certain schemes. Now kind of be a switch to like more of a zone scheme because he's, he wasn't the best in man in the nickel, but he was, he was pretty damn good in zone. So that could be our, our third option at nickel right there. 
But moving on to the next one from at, at Daniel Blake Hill. Appreciate you always, always sending a lot of questions. He's got five this week. Ooh, okay. Do you even know how oh, – what is this? Okay. This isn't really a question. Let me move to the next one. Let me get a good question in here. Okay. What will it take for mainstream media to realize that this offensive line is legit and is going to be the corner be going to be a cornerstone of this season? John? Pretty much um show out on primetime. That's really what it comes down to. I think that if if we play the way we expect to play on Thursday, um my, Watson has a lot of respect throughout the league. Like, he really does. Um, he's just – I people don't follow Houston. There's not there's not a cheerleader for Houston. There's not anybody on any national network that really stands up and says, hey, look at the Texans, that knows the coaching staff, that knows really any of the players closely. So we sometimes almost get forgotten about. And then when you actually sit down and you watch Watson's games or when they start playing his highlight clips, you can – pretty much see it on the set from the talking heads where they're like, oh, we should talk about this guy more. So it's pretty much they just got to come out there and just do what we expect them to do, and then people will be talking about Watson all season. We win this game. He's in the MVP discussion. Wow. Let me add yeah. to that. I think if then, then I'll give it back to you, Jordan. Sorry. Um, I, think, I, think, I think David Johnson having a, a good year statistically – will open the eyes, right? Um, and then I think also just cutting down those sacks, right? I, we're, we're going from 62 to 44, you know, getting that to like a 32, 33 range. I think that's what people look at. They're, they're not going to look at the film. They're not going to see the continuity. They're, they're, that's never going to happen. They're going to have to see production for the national media to recognize what it looks like. All I can say is to all the people that are looking for national media, just don't look for it. It's never going to happen. It really doesn't matter what we do. We could win a Super Bowl this year, and, and we would probably be underdogs going against the Jaguars opening night to get our rings. Like, it's just that's the Houston thing. That's that's what comes with it, and that's the chip on our shoulder. That's the Houston mantra. That's what we do. Stop. Don't look for them for gratification, uh, and I'll pass that back. My bad. Yeah, no, that's that's the biggest thing about national media with me. I, I don't take them seriously. Like, I don't put effort towards them. They're kind of like trolls to me. Like, they're not worth my time. They don't watch our team as much as we all do, so they're not going to know. They're just going to make up lazy narratives. Um, but the last thing I was going to say is about the whole getting, like, respect thing, I think as a team as a whole, like, you guys touched on the O-line perfectly, but as a team as a whole, I think we're not going to get respect until we actually make it to the Super Bowl, and not even that, but as long as we keep it competitive. Because I can see even if we get to the Super Bowl and we get embarrassed, they're still going to call us fake, call us frauds, whatever. So it's going to take, like, a competitive Super Bowl to actually kind of turn around that narrative. Um, next one from Jacob Quintanilla. He says, do you think Cooks is okay and they're just being cautious, or should we be worried? James, you, th- you had a very good theory about it. I like that one. Yeah, I think it's more of just, I mean, look, Brandon Cooks has played in every single training camp practice we've had up until uh, the actual practice for this this upcoming game. You know, tomorrow we'll know more. Like, his the way he practices will be very telling. But I expect Brandon Cooks to suit up. I think it's more of a mind game, Bill, Bill Belichick type thing. You know, Bill O'Brien always tries to, you know, um, emulate whatever it is that Bill Belichick has done. I think he's just trying to hold some of his cards close to his vest. Uh, and, and a lot of that just has to do with the fact that this offense is brand new and um, they're familiar with Kenny. 
they're not familiar with what Cooks could potentially do with this offense. And so they've seen Kenny twice last year, um, and I think that they're just trying to just play my games and, and see kind of, you know, what they can do, what they can get away with, and it create any advantage that they can. But I do think that Brandon Cooks will play. Yeah, I like that. Bill Brown's playing, playing just not checkers, for sure. All right, next one from Joshua Stallings. He says, what has changed from last year that will allow Watson to avoid bad games? He says Denver, Baltimore, Carolina, Jacksonville, for example. Um, what changed from last year to this year? John. Hopefully more welp- or more weapons and another year of maturity. So, again, we've hit on it probably every single podcast since the trade. The Texans do not have the top wide receiver in football anymore. However, they do have multiple tier two receivers. And Kenny Stills is just opportunities away from it. And the type of player that he is, he just needed to build some chemistry with Watsons to take that net take that next step so you have more weapons like you can't just shut down the middle of the field you can't just shut down the yankee concept that the texans almost always relied on as a training well now at this point they have receivers they have excellent receiving backs and we expect the tight ends to take another step forward so there's weapons everywhere so that should prevent um those duds of games i mean it's just when the offense can't go deep they start going short, and there's players that can make something happen. I think adding on to that, um, the only thing I would else other say is, like, just Deshaun's kind of ability to read defenses. I think there's some of those games, if you watch the film, where the defenses are able to get him with a lot of motion, a lot of stacking line of scrimmage, and, and changing up the looks on him. And I think throughout his entire career, he's gotten better, and even throughout last season, he's gotten better at reading defenses. And that's only going to take another step Again, he's a very young dude, um, and so that's really the biggest thing for those dud games. Uh, moving on, we got one from at Report Texans. He says, your thoughts on the cornerback situation heading into week one? Okay, we kind of feel like we touched on that overall. We're a little bit worried, but these games at the beginning, they're always going to be tough anyways. It's more about the second half of the season and, and the later part of the season. that They'll be back for They'll be back healthy, and we can cruise through. Um, moving on. From AJ Tex one he says, no Karan Higdon. I think he's got juice, maybe not a good camp. So I don't know if you guys heard a lot about Karan Higdon, but yeah, he didn't make the team. He didn't make the practice squad. He was a guy who, he's always had potential, but I guess they wanted to go a different direction with Buddy Howell. Um, James, what are your thoughts on the, I guess, Karan Higdon and kind of like the running back situation? Yeah, I mean, like, I, we, we've all been fans of Higdon when he has the ball in his hand. The biggest thing that we've seen from Higdon in training camp so far last year and this year is just he has fumble issues. He can't hold on to the ball. And if anybody knows anything about Bill O'Brien, they know for a fact that if you if you're running back and you can't hold on to the ball and you can't and you can't uh pass protect, you're you're pretty much there's nothing you can do. Um you're not gonna make this team. And so while Cron Higdon does have talent and would be an awesome third down, you know, a third our third back um, he's got to fix those fumbling issues. I don't think it's like over for the Texans. Um, they're familiar with them. You know, if anything happens, maybe there's a chance. But um, yeah, I mean, look, Buddy Howell. I, I've been screaming Buddy Howell for for two years. We we've been dying to see him act or see him play meaningful snaps. Last preseason, he showed us some things. Um, obviously, on special teams, he's great. Um, I just want to see more 
from him, and I think we will. I think we will this year. And um, I like Buddy Howe. You know, is there another running back out there that could have been a better third? You know, third uh, our third running back. Sure, but you know, Buddy Howe's familiar with the system. Understands. You know, we lost. Uh, you know, Brad Seeley. Um, we need to keep our special teams intact, and I, I kind of like this move. I just wanted to talk about uh, CJ Procise for just a second. Um, because I think that it's actually kind of a genius move to put him on the practice squad and protect him. Um, he's a guy that when he first came out of Notre Dame, um, he was a converted wide receiver to running back, and he's a, he's actually a fairly big guy. He's um, bigger than Duke Johnson, but not quite as big as David Johnson. He's 220 versus 230, but I loved him as a prospect. Um, he's a guy that looks like he could have been a beefier Shane Vereen. Um, I think that it was Football Outsiders on their draft report said that he was David Johnson light. Um, and this was right after David Johnson had his big breakout year. And if you go back and you look through uh, Procise's rookie year, he had flashes. But this is a kid that just absolutely had the has the worst injury luck, like absolutely worst injury luck. Um, and it's one of those things that if he can stay healthy, then he's pretty much the perfect sort of backup you need in case either Duke or David gets hurt because he just slides right in. He can do what either one of them do. Um, so I think that the Texans did a really good job by bringing him in, and I'm actually kind of excited, and I hope we get to see him on the field because he has shown flashes of being a pretty good running back. Um, hopefully, though, that means somebody – I don't want somebody to get hurt, though. And then I stand by my previous um, statement on on Buddy Howell. He's Brandon Bolden. Uh, he's going to be the next Brandon Bolden. That's what he is. Um, in a pinch, he can, he can he can be a running back for a game or two. You don't want to rely on him for a whole season, but he'll make his money through special teams. Yeah, great answers there. I think the last guy that we haven't touched on is just Scotty Phillips. He's been my guy since since we uh, picked him up as a UDFA. I really like his game. Don't think this will be his year, but as long as we can have him for next year, I think he can transition into a, a really good running back for us. All right, last question of the day. This one comes from Robert. He says, do you see David Johnson taking a big workload right out the gate, or do you think the Texans will try to manage his reps and ease him into a heavier workload as the season goes on? John, finish it off for us. Oh, he's coming out there, and they're going to they're gonna run him into the ground. Um, I think part of that is Bill O'Brien <laughs> wanted to, of course, prove that he didn't get completely worked on the trade. Uh, DJ looks like he's an absolutely – he looks like he's in shape. He looks like an absolute unit out there. If you take pictures of him last year versus this year, it looks like two different people. Um, everything from how he's carrying himself, he's carrying himself with a little extra, um, like almost a little bit extra swagger, a little extra confidence. He's got that chip on his shoulder. And then the Texans have already talked about doing a little bit of the, um, of two running back sets, um, of pony sets, um, where, both Duke and David can be moved into a receiver role, so they're going to look to try and keep them on the field. So yeah, he's going to get a he's going to get a lot of touches, and hopefully he just holds up. Fair. Yep. I think you're exactly right. It's kind of Bill O'Brien. That's what he loves to do, and um, I think to kind of play devil's advocate, I think they should try and, and try and limit his snaps so that he's more effective during the playoffs. But I, I'm with you. That I didn't, we didn't what say they, what he should do. We, that does it for me. We're expecting him. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, this has been a great offseason. 
Uh, I'm so excited. It's a great off season in general, just because like it was you know it was entertaining, but it was a great off season for us. You know, we added Jordan, we added Jair, uh, we, we've grown, we've done so many great things. So a uh, lot to celebrate from the Texans Unfiltered family. But then now we get to celebrate with you guys while we watch games, and we get to watch them together on Thursday. Um, I even have some plans with some of you guys uh, throughout the season. So um, really excited. This is going to be an awesome game. Uh, we just got to hope that they show up to compete. Um, unlike the Rockets tonight. And, um, you know, I, I, I just can't wait. This is a great, this was a great show. Uh, it's going to be a great season. Make sure you guys come to Kobo's Q on Thursday. Um, and yeah, being said, I'm young Ari gold signing off Lakers in five. Loved this episode of Texans unfiltered. We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.